hello, this is where the sun always shines. Do you love TV? Well, you, you like this. You can't promise you'll love it, but you will like it. You, you'll tolerate it. Well, that's what we hope for. <laughs> I'm James. I'm Lou. And uh, we're going to talk about TV. Talking about TV, why we like it and why you like it. Why everyone goes to it. Why we all have that box in the middle of our living rooms and tune in uh, <laughs> daily. TV, the silver screen. Um, yes. Where the sun always shines. Oh, what a nice little neat circle we've just made. Okay. <laughs> what are we talking about in this episode, Lou? What aspect of television? Okay, well, in this episode, we're talking about pilots quite appropriately because this is our pilot. So we want to talk about what we like in pilots, what we look for in television show pilots. And yeah, ones we really like and we want to speak about them because we're obsessed. We we are obsessed. I, I don't I, I don't have many vices, but television is one of them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> but we'll get into it. Generally, mm. what is it you look for in in a television pilot? I mean, the, the most generic of things is well, a reason to to keep watching. But what is it? What's your preferences? In a pilot, because uh, they tend mm. to prioritise different things in different uh, genres, I suppose. It's true. I think seeing an intention in the creation of it, I think the the pilots that we've picked are all very intentional, very well thought, like thought out, and their stories are just like impeccably intertwined. So I don't know. I just have this like... If I'm kind of gripped by a story, it's almost kind of like unspoken. It's just like my brain just kind of goes, Hoo, and uh, it just needs to know more. I think I think it helps when it's quite a novel concept because the, the pilot is meant to give the viewer a scenario in which X will happen in the next episode or like X will continue. This will be the theme of the next few episodes. And for that to be completely new, yeah, that will just hook me, I think. Very well put. Thank you. What about you? I'd say something similar in that the situation needs to compel me. And this, as you say, it comes down partly to do with how novel the concept is. Because if it's a situation I've seen many times before, I can tire of it and therefore it will no longer compel me. It's also to do with characterization in that you need to care about the characters and be engaged with the characters in order to be enthralled in whatever the show is doing. That requires a lot of good writing, again, in order to make the characters new and make sure the audience does care about them. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, like a, there's a balance that they have to strike in demonstrating the kind of the background or the qualities of the character, a problem they face and how they will then respond to that, which will then form the kind of springboard for the rest of the story. And yeah, they need to show us enough information for us to, yeah, want to know how the character will do it and how they'll respond to these kind of problems. So yeah, I think I think we've picked some really good ones to kind of illustrate these today. Yes, with some yeah. with some proper characters. I mean, there's there's a there's an array of characters in the show we've yeah. picked of all personalities and and uh, habits, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In terms of our first pilot, would you like to take us away and introduce what pilot we're going to be speaking about? Firstly, 
Cue the music. Fans of British uh, comedy would recognise that funky little ditty. I think I don't know if it was one of the cast which which performed it. I don't think it was, but I wouldn't be surprised. But of course, being Bill Bailey, indeed, uh, yes, this is Black Books. Black Books. Booky Wooks. <laughs> <laughs> and the first episode is called What James? Uh, it's cooking the books. Cooking the books. Cooking yeah. the black books. Mm. Mm, yes. Tasty books. <laughs> Tender books. <laughs> Delicious books. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it first aired on 29th of September 2000. Uh, viewers in the UK can catch it on all four because uh, it was made by Channel 4, which I think is relevant because Channel 4, when it first came about as a, as a channel, as a network, was the alternative channel mm-hmm. where they wanted yeah. to do a things a bit, a bit more aggressive, a bit more punk driven. Yeah. And yep. I think that certainly exhibits itself, uh, certainly in the main character of the show. <laughs> of the show Bernard, Jesus. Who is uh, Dil Moran as, as Bernard Black. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> already mentioned Bill Bailey as Manny Bianco, which, which I'm sure was intentional. I already like that they are literally black and white character yeah. names. Uh, yes. Uh, and Tamsin Gregg as Fran Katzenjammer. A bit of background on the show, I think, before we go into why we think it works mm-hmm. is that it was created by two irish tv folk uh them being uh dylan moran and graham linehan who is a sitcom writer producer etc this was primarily created following the success of father ted which linehan was the writer and creator of as well as big train uh which he was also the uh main force behind but it starred bill bailey uh, which is which is how this uh, show black books came about and they then approached uh, Tamsin Greg uh, to join them. Interestingly, it was part of a thrall of British sitcoms which came about in the late 90s and early 2000s. These included Spaced, uh, The mm-hmm. League of Gentlemen, Little Britain, uh, The Office, and The Mighty Boosh. Um, I think it's fair to say that they're now kind of legacy sitcoms, British legacy sitcoms, not as renowned as, you know, say, uh, Faulty Towers or yeah. other things of, of that ilk. But I think it was certainly a new wave of uh, anarchic yes. sitcoms. They're definitely of that, like, generation. One of the shows we mentioned there was being being spaced. You know, Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Nick Foss, and they went on to spawn the Cornetto trilogy, uh, which is what I did my dissertation on in terms of comedic writing and its function there. So... Yeah, reviewing this pilot did certainly give me a uh, uh, nostalgia for that master's mm. dissertation because it, yeah, it allowed me to bring my brain back to assessing the function of comedy, which mm. is uh, might sound grandiose, but there are there are there are rules to comedy, and mm-hmm. uh, much like any filmmaking and any creative platform, creative creative medium. One can break the rules as long as they know what the rules are and the reason for breaking the rules. I look forward to hearing your kind of analysis of that, those kind of comedic writing elements in the Black Books pilot, because I think there's a lot for you to play with there. One of the main things that comedy comes down to, and it's something that this does well, and it's something which a lot of shows need to do, is have some sort of contradiction 
in, in the main character. But a lot of comedy comes down to that contradiction or irony, that mixture of expectation and surprise. And any form of humor is a combination thereof, the simplest of which being a knock-knock joke, where it's simple wordplay, but the more complex can be when it comes down to social expectations and the, and the subversions thereof. What I think Black Books does well is it takes what we know of as people who are held to a certain accountability as being shop owners or accountants, and mm-hmm. it subverts it in that they're terrible at their jobs. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we still root for them. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, Bernard Black is is the pivotal example of of someone who doesn't want to be doing their job. He's mm-hmm. a he's a shopkeeper who hates accounts, uh, hates dealing with customers. Not even sure he ha- likes books. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's completely evident in the first what is it, 15 seconds? In it, It's set completely perfectly. You know who Bernard is as a character and it's the entire world is just summed up in when he's on the phone completely ignoring the customer that's trying to get his attention and shoves a post-it note on his forehead saying, on phone. <laughs> <laughs> and even to the point of like denying himself a sale yep. to make a point. Yes. Are they leather-bound pounds? Uh, what? Yeah. Well, they won't go with my wallet. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and there's so many great moments in this show where it relies on knowledge that within the UK we have of, of UK society, even to the extent of, I'll give a bit of context as to what the plot is. He mm. has to hire a new accountant because his accountant is arrested for a crime which isn't specified, but we assume it's tax fraud or embezzlement. It's a financial crime. which has a great sight gag of about 20 policemen running through a small (laughs) small cupboard of an office. (laughs) And aren't they like, oh, the the cat's left the, oh, the something. The bird's left the nest. The The bird's left the nest. The bird's left the nest. Um, Yeah. And Dylan Brown's just sitting there like, (laughs) nonplussed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Was that an accountant joke? Nonplussed. Oh, Christ. I wish I could take um, credit for that. But no, that was my subconscious. <laughs> well done, Bray. <laughs> You've got a gold star. <laughs> great sight gag. But as such, he has to try to do his own accounts. And it's, it's a great thing because he procrastinates by doing anything he can think of, including bawling socks, pairing socks and, and bawling them up, calling his mother, who he doesn't remember the name of, <laughs> Possibly uh, deceased. <laughs> eventually, Jehovah's Witnesses come to the door and he says, yes, come in. <laughs> and it's a, it's a great awareness of what happens in British society where people, yes. people do come to the door, whether, whether, it's, whether they're peddling anything, religion, you know, Wi-Fi, double glazing, whatever it is. Mm. People come to the door and we always turn them away. You know, yeah. I, I haven't spoken to anyone who's gone like, Oh yeah, and they were really useful. <laughs> so as soon, as soon as they showed up, we already knew because of the setup exactly what was going to happen, and we relished in it. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Now that you say that, that's really interesting because you don't realise kind of the amount of information you just automatically rely on. Yeah. From being like someone from the UK. Yeah. In in that kind of context, because yeah, you do. It is just like a, it's a, what's it? A knee jerk reaction. Someone's at the door. Ah, 
Um, I've, <laughs> I've been caught out many a time. Um, many, I've like, it's been like uh, people from HelloFresh. They're like, oh, hello, miss. Are you the uh, chef of the household? And I'm like, <laughs> and then I, I'm I'm caught at the door for 27 minutes with like a, a first box offer. Uh, I think at one point, uh, accosted is a long word, but Jehovah's Witnesses came up to me in the street once. Um, hmm. And I was mid kebab, uh, and they, they they went, <laughs> and I'd had I'd had a few pints, you know, hence the kebab. And they mm. went, uh, "How do you feel about Jesus?" And in my drunken stupor, I then responded, but in a long-winded way, not in an angry way, just in the in a way where I openly discussed fairly agnostic views for about ten minutes. And I think I think their faces were like, "Oh, how how do we politely <laughs> turn him down?" Oh, actually, uh, we're busy at the moment. Uh, <laughs> politely nodding and then exchanging glasses with each other and mm-hmm. being like, ah, now I've got you trapped and you must listen to my kebab shield rat. Oh, my God. They, uh, now they... Um, it's a bitter just, twist of fate. <laughs> they are just wary of anyone mid-kebab now. Yeah. Don't go to him. He's, he's busy. Yeah, he's mid-sustenance. Mid-sustenance, yeah, exactly. But Bernard, he's, he's happy to chat with them, educates them on some religious things, which again, it does fold into the previous work of Father Ted in the whole Irish Catholicism upbringing mm. thing, True. which was interesting. And, you know, they, they sometimes didn't know the Bible, uh, bits <laughs> of the Bible, which was, which was fun. Um, but they leave and mm-hmm. he says, yes, come back any time. We think as a just a brief throwaway line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that later. <laughs> just, we'll um, park that. <laughs> park that, you know, <laughs> like an electric car. Reverse it gently. <laughs> leave, leave it there to charge is what we'll do. <laughs> okay. Just, but don't don't forget the, the best part of that scene is when Dylan's like asking them what their favourite story is or whatever, and they're like, we haven't actually thought this far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and again, it relies on expectations of of uh, of that trope of of people, I suppose. You know, so we get a full sense of Bernard Black as a character, uh, the kind of ironic world he lives in, and the world he's rebelling against in in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get other sides of that anarchic outlook in in Fran, who's his neighbor and fellow. Shopkeeper, owner of a different shop, a, a knickknack shop, if you like. Called Nifty Gifty. Nifty Gifty, yeah, where she's selling. Nifty gifts. <laughs> <laughs> she's peddling her wares, mysterious wares. <laughs> it, well, one of the plot points of the first episode is that that unknown purple ball that she's trying to work out what it a is. a small pipe coming out of it. Some kind of bong is yeah, what it I looks mean- like. If an alien were to design a bong... <laughs> if described on function alone, you'd be like, ah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the spout itself just looked to me like a kettle, like a kettle, yeah. a handleless kettle. It does look like something you'd heat up. Yes, yeah. it does. Mm. Yeah. Or it might, it might, you know, play sweet, sweet tunes out of the, <laughs> out of the little pipe. Like, like some kind of metallic bagpipe. <laughs> Oh, I, I I can imagine Bernard loving that. But basically, we're asking the same questions that all the characters are. <laughs> what does it? What does it do? Indeed. Tell me your secrets. <laughs> Again, that's a recurring plot throughout this 
episode. Surrealism in that is tantamount to, I think, understanding the, the tone of the show, but not really relevant to the overall plot. I think it gives you an idea of the slightly weird situations they'll find themselves in. Yeah. In that it's even referenced in another Graham and Helen sitcom, the, the IT crowd, where in the finale, Chris O'Dowd's character goes, a lot of strange stuff happens, like like more weird than usual stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Fran, I think, is a, is a complacent in this, I suppose, corporate world. She accepts it, even though she doesn't completely know why. Richard Ayoade said something about commuting. He said, I accept it needs to happen, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yeah. that that's, in that way, she's an excellent contrast to Bernard's character. She yeah. kind of quells his chaoticness in yeah. her, like, her ease of manner, but she's also chaotic and sort of flustered in her own way. And the third, to complete the trifecta, is this Manny guy whose opening scene is is pure Bill Bailey when he comes in panicking, asking for the little book of calm. And again, straight away we know we know his character. Bernard again just very much enjoys the kind of sadism of showing him distressing imagery. <laughs> Brief history of screaming. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and eventually gets the little book of calm, which has, you know, haikus and mantras. Mm. which are visual in nature, you know, got f- yeah. f- florals, florals, they've got flowers and like yeah. still lakes and all of these things. You know, nature is like, yeah, that is a calming, calming image. Mm. Yeah. What it means like, is beyond me, but there you go. Like visual, visual prompts. Yeah. Um, and from that need of him needing the Book of Calm, we are perfectly introduced to his dilemma later on in the show. He... Works in the corporate world as a suit, uh, as an accountant, you know, which is convenient. Uh, but he is very put upon at work due to both in- inter-corporate issues and technological issues. But it, it directly contrasts with Bernard's style uh, and mm-hmm. ways of keeping accounts where it's all just receipts uh, stuffed in pockets or made into a jacket, depending <laughs> on his mood at the time. But Manny is obviously very stressed at work, hence hence the little book of, of calm. He accidentally swallows this. Indeed, mid-soup. Uh, mid-soup. And this, again, just builds upon the weirdness. It's worth mentioning that Fran's meant to be helping a friend of hers give birth as a birthing partner, mm-hmm. um, which, again, is a, is a side plot, but worth mentioning. Turns out that uh, Manny has this little book of, of calm through some great cameos that we see. Martin Freeman, for example, plays a doctor, Excellent cameo, yeah. Uh, reads the x-ray with the, <laughs> with the words from the Book of Calm uh, inscribed. Uh, and eventually, it is it osmosis? Uh, he absorbs the Book of Calm and its sentiments. Yes, and he, there's the shot of him, like, glowing, like, oh, because he's just, yeah, absorbed this tiny book. Yes. Incredible uh, ex- work. Ex- exactly. And before we go on to exactly how uh, how this pans out, it's... Definitely, I think, worth addressing that from this point, we can see how it has set up the different characters, their mm. dilemmas, and the resolution thereof, whether intentional or, or otherwise. The only one we have yet to see is Fran. 
Of course, Bernard still needs a new accountant. Manny has absorbed the Book of Karma's meanings, so that's that's that done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's walking around London, meets some skinheads, which again is a UK thing. I, there, I think there's different international versions thereof, but yeah. as soon as you see what they look like, you know exactly what happened. Bernard wants to injure himself in order to delay putting in a tax return because of disability benefits, allowances, etc. Mm-hmm. The episode culminates in, I think it's a good example of the pinnacle of sitcom writing or, or comedy writing, where everything is set up. And I mentioned the Cornetto trilogy, they do this very well. There's an episode of the IT crowd where it's done to a phenomenal level. Everything is set up and there's jokes within each setup, something to make our laugh using the ironies, using the combination of expectations, surprise, contradictions, etc. But everything is set up for one big laugh at the end. And mm-hmm. when you watch any sitcoms, particularly live studio examples where you hear, uh, it's called a laugh track, but when someone is l- laughing live, mm-hmm. because there's more of a performance piece, it does form a crescendo of, yep. of the different different plots. Less so in single comedies, purely because the performance isn't as large. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not. It's, it's not on a stage. It's in a uh, studio set. The canvas closer, mm-hmm. so it doesn't feel as much of a in opera. You know, when the fat lady sings, you know, it's the end. It doesn't feel yeah. as much of a climax in that respect. But single mm-hmm. canvas sitcoms are they have a different function, same comedy function, but mm-hmm. but it's because it's done much more akin to a film. Mm-hmm. They can do a lot more in terms of uh, camera work, cinematography post-production uh, and and the like. You know, so mm-hmm. They have more tools to play with to create that crescendo uh, beyond just the actor's performances. The scene we come to, and this is, I think, how it exhibits why it is such a good pilot, is all the threads coming together. Mm-hmm. We get Manny Bianco, this long-haired guy with a beard, dressed in white hospital robes, coming to the bookshop, as this fight is kicking off between skinheads and Bernard, he manages to stop the fight. The skinheads attack him. They can, you know, they, they leave. Fran comes in with this strange orb. A <laughs> uh, uh, friend of hers eventually says what it is. Says it's a uh, calls it a breast. <laughs> <laughs> they're, all, they're all discussing it, and she, yeah, she's she's kind of holding it in front of a, a big group of people, and one of the guys is like, "Oh, is that a breast for you know for like a dad to use to kind of mimic breastfeeding?" And then she thinks, "Babies, oh my god, Julie, I need to be the birthing partner for Julie," and then she tries to rush to the hospital. It culminates into Manny simply finding the function of this orb because Bernard needs a light for a cigarette and he just goes, and then it all falls into place. Exactly. In a, in a simple, simple way. Mm. And then we get the return of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Bernard, you know, broken nose. He goes, oh, I'm, I'm an accountant. You know, sit back. You know, I'll do your accounts for you. Don't worry about it. Goes to answer the door. Jehovah's Witnesses are there and sees someone who is... <laughs> a modern representation in terms of appearance of, of Jesus. And then they run away. <laughs> it's set up and delivery. Uh, perfect tandem throughout the episode of these uh, various anarchic characters. There are there were so many open ends and so many questions. And it 
because once you know that you know each episode is only like 20 or so minutes long you do sort of worry you're like oh I really hope they're gonna tie this up and then they just almost on cue it's just like problem solved problem solved problem solved and it just went and then you kind of know from then on that they become then a three because there's a natural opening for Manny exactly and uh, oh yeah, we probably should have said spoiler alert, but I figure we're talking we're talking about pilots, so uh, mm-hmm. it would be stupid not to say all of the events. Yeah, we're not just going to go. You've seen Black Books, well, if you haven't, well, it's good. Watch it, you know. Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? And also, Black Books has been out for fucking ages, so <laughs> it's, it was twenty two years ago. So you know, <laughs> so... your your fault. <laughs> just, <laughs> if you haven't watched it now, what are you playing yeah. at? <laughs> And also, there's a lo- there's a many more more episodes, and all we've told you is uh, what happens in the first one. So indeed, and yeah, that's just the setup, and there's plenty more to enjoy. What are your final thoughts on it? I definitely note the uh, kind of low budget version of surrealism, um, and how how the characters were representing different aspects of our gripes with modern society or modern British society, at least in the early. 2000s bernard is unlikable uh, interacting with you know but entertaining to watch (laughs) yes i think bernard's an interesting one because yeah i was i was trying like throughout watching the episode i was trying to actually think do i like this person (laughs) and yeah you kind of need a slight uh possibility of liking the main character to want to continue (laughs) And there is a likability in his consistency of just not wanting to pay his bloody taxes and (laughs) taking it to such a degree that it's like you kind of relate to that person, that unproductive, chaotic caricature of a person. Um, I really enjoyed the chaotic nature of all three of them and how they perfectly complement one another. Do you know of the concepts of id, ego and super ego? Um, I know of the concepts, uh, but in, in uh, A-level psychology terms. Yeah, so. same, same as me. Uh, <laughs> okay. But I think the three characters here certainly represent those different things. With Bernard is definitely the id and gives into uh, whatever his impulses are right at that moment. Yeah the superego being the more concerned with societal rules uh, and expectations, which I think is Manny. Uh, mm-hmm. And Fran, I think, acts as the, the balance between the two, where she's aware of what she wants to do, and she's aware of what society deems she should do, mm-hmm. and tends to balance between the two. Yes, that's a really good analogy for it. That, because, yeah, to me, it seems almost like, especially what you said before about it being you know black and white in terms of Bernard Black and uh, Manny Bianco I almost yeah kind of saw them as complementing sides to one person or one entity and perhaps then that's what makes them so complementary toward each other like there's parts of or the halves of the same coin yeah definitely so the only fault I can give for this episode. And I think it's part of the time in which it was written, as well as the uh, the writer's own backgrounds and outlooks, is that Fran was certainly the least developed character. And I'd mm-hmm. like to know more about her. Yeah. But 
if she is designed to act as an intermediary between two opposing forces, mm. then I think it certainly conveys that in the pilot. But I think as a well-rounded character, more can be done. I I agree because it was just kind of there's you know obviously Bernard and um or Bernard are we saying Bernard not Bernard, Bernard? I I've heard it both ways mm. <laughs> I go both ways um, <laughs> Bernard and uh, Manny yeah a lot more kind of fully formed as yeah. you'd say and then there's Fran just with like a fucking sphere What's, what you got there Fran that's Mysterious ball, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I understand because obviously they wove. Yeah. Is that a, yeah, that's, um, they wove in that kind of question mark o- over what it was. Yeah. The orb, which was, which was fine. Um, yeah. And it c- kind of provided some kind of like question marks over Fran and like, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And then it ultimately, I don't know, it, it kind of showed her. In like you said, the the ego where she's she's aware of what she has to do, but doesn't necessarily want to do it, or sort mm-hmm. of like respects that she has certain jobs and responsibilities. Is that she she had a responsibility to her friends to go and be her birthing partner, mm-hmm. and instead she <laughs> was kind of not you know sinisterly. It was just very like almost away with the fairies, like with this weird orb thing. But yeah. I think that's a really good kind of like analogy you've got there for all three. So I think overall, this is a good example of a sitcom pilot. Uh, I think it got most uh, of the stuff right, but there's a few things, particularly in regards to characterization of one of the main trio, which uh, I think we could improve upon. But we've got other pilots coming up, which show how one could do that. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this discussion of cooking the books. We'll be discussing another pilot soon, so please do not adjust your sets.